0: Accept the things to which fate binds you and love the people with whom fate brings you together, but to do so with your whole heart. Marcus Aurelius. Ooh, kept it short and simple, as is the stoic way. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Battle Axe podcast, episode 35, which geez, it's catching up to my age. Um, and I just said that before the show, so I wanted to repeat my joke. That's what I'm doing. You're um, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on, guys? I'm your I'm your podcast host, MDLP, and with my handsome Baron of the North, now competitive, consistent powerlifter, Johnny Banks. <laughs> Yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome back. We are. Live in this studio that has moved our table, so now you're gonna hear us reaching around for shit because <laughs> apparently it wants to look like a fucking uncomfortable living room, not like a table in office, which was a lot better. Yeah, and again, we don't like change. We mentioned that last time. We're super.
1: We're we're business types. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
0: Business tycoons, you can say.
1: Look at us. Yeah, in <laughs> our
0: short shorts. God, we should take a picture. Uh, this why this living room <laughs> setup literally suits us right yeah. now. All we need is slippers and Crocs. Um, guys, what's going on? So. We really wanted to um, make this episode about the throwdown, and we were trying to do it before, but honestly, it just didn't feel right. We wanted to get that show happening. Mm -hmm. John, you were competing. I was coaching. We were prepping. We weren't in the right mindset, but what better way to celebrate such a weekend and such eventful um, uh, days, days, literally days, of competition with athletes, sponsors, charity, And Episode 35 feels great for it, but first and foremost, I want to mention all our guys that have consistently stood with us um, and at our sides as sponsors and family to Cerberus USA uh, to get your 10% discount use battle. Always taking care of us. Have been great customer service. Ken, thank you very much for that. To the BV305 who were there in numbers, and I will thank personally at the beginning for helping facilitate not only the Harley-Davidson, but also the good union between us and Unbranded. That's just been such a good, um, genuine, natural flow of things. And we'll mention, uh, starting this at the podcast, that they are doing now a toy drive, Mm -hmm. which the Battle Axe Gym is a toy drop-off location. If you have not seen the post, keep an eye on our stories. Um, This is for Toys for Tots, right? Right um it's
1: gonna be i believe we're gonna do give children the world okay
0: um good and if you guys have any questions uh, when you hear this podcast please uh dm any one of us or the three bv305 uh instagram which i post consistently consistently and lastly with our family the battle axe clan thank you for everything guys um i'll get to it later and i did get to it on axe giving but life-changing Life changing weekend and just the respect I have for each and every single one of you um, Mm -hmm. going into that that weekend and after is intense. Yeah, I think I think there was
1: very little outside of the actual lifting. uh, I got to say that the the Battle X crew was very much talked about and very well received, which was nice to you know. You're in there warming up, but you're like the guys are like, man, I can't believe these guys, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, I wanted that for that, my man. friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm tired of things being about me, believe it or not. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> he he <laughs> said believe humbly. Yeah. I also did a face in quotation marks
1: probably. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you guys can't sure. see shit. Not yet. That'll be 2022. Yeah. We're going to do some. Yeah.
0: Damn it. Okay. And yeah. they got these cool light titties. Yeah. These light boobs that are making us look. We probably look pretty jacked in this yeah, No, definitely lighting. Yeah. <sighs> uh, we're flexing no
1: one's. <laughs> <laughs> it's for us. So- Um, well, let's talk about it. Let's jump right into it. So the throwdown, Uh, how are you feeling about, uh, how do you feel about how the throwdown turned out for you this year?
0: So for me personally, I set very high expectations of myself. Of course, I think we all in some ways do that. I personally do. I was talking about it, uh, maybe the day of, or the day after, and I had said that Oftentimes people will quote the concept of creating diamonds with pressure, which I think is a neat, uh, I guess, anecdote or a metaphor and a good story to tell people to motivate them. But that also requires external pressure. And I had said that as as much as I think that's important, I create this internal pressure, very uh, not motivated so much by what others are expecting or not expecting of me, although that's a factor. But definitely what I expect of myself and of those who are with me, and I created this vast internal pressure going into this this uh, this weekend, which is November 20 and 21st. I would include 19 because we worked that day too. And I had put these expectations of myself first, mm-hmm. and then it would carry over into what I expected of my guys, my clan. And then my lifters, and then of course family, friends, and and the the whole situation, of course. And what have I expected out of Rich's crew? Because yeah, I'm very confident, but you know you'll have expectations of which they crushed, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to now in my years currently create this internal pressure. It was just massive amount of internal pressure, like I'm combusting, and that has. Um, and I don't mean that. Sometimes I think people take the term pressure negatively. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's why us and we and the battle acts don't have a conventional terminology for what we consider good for the quote unquote mental health movement. Now, it's I love to really focus on or at least not the traditional sense. I really focus on the words that have like a negative negative stigma and use them, you know, pressure, pain, fear, doubt. These are like the ones we adhere to the most, because I think for a lot of us it's the ones that we feel the most. I've really met. And if you're always really positive, I don't know, I guess I don't really hang out with you. <laughs> Definitely uh, yeah. not our type. Yeah, it just or, or I just, you know, I've met a few people um, that are genuine like that, but very few. Um I tend to bond and bind with those who are a little bit more morbid maybe. Um and all these things that I expected out of myself and were just so thoroughly fulfilled and then some. Mm-hmm. And it's so I hate to sound like this, but people asked me how do you feel? And I go, well, satisfied because I expected this, mm. you know, and that's good, you know, like that's okay. And of course I'm grateful and there was moments of elation and emotion, you know, and as the days go by, right? But I expected this. I expected my crew to do well. I expected Rich to go well. His crew from Guerrilla Bench and the USPA, Florida USPA. I expected people to have fun. It's like, uh, but I knew what I could control would go well. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, acceptable. I'm satisfied. And I'm okay with that. Not for very long because I go right back into it. But that feeling of fulfilling such high demands and such high pressure is tremendous to me. Because I don't just set the bar as, I think we're going to do okay. I'm like, we are going to be the fucking best. That's the attitude. Like, not, And I, you can quote me because I said it every weekend leading up to it. And then that 5 o'clock in the morning when I sat down with the with the crew, I said, the attitude is that we are the best, not arrogantly, but you're going to try the best. You're going to work to be the best. You're going to smile the best. You're going to load the plates the best. You're going to help every single person in this fucking room, no matter what, age, yeah. color, fucking where they come from, what gym. It doesn't matter. We're here for the show. We're here for the sport, not for us. You know, it's not. It's it's about a bigger picture t- concept, the charity, all this stuff. And when you set that internal pressure really, really high, yeah, and you're that kind of person or that kind of athlete. It's like you go, I knew it. Yeah, and that's good. <laughs> you know, I don't have to be like, and I maybe it comes off as cocky and arrogant. I really don't give a fuck. But when you just have so, you have been doing this for so many years, you want to satisfy that. Right. And then you know, of course, some things went above and beyond. But the things that weren't in my control, athletes, people having fun, the pictures, the music, like the beer sales. These things weren't in my control per se. And they went really well. And those are I'm like, oh man, those are above my expectations because I didn't I couldn't control that. Yeah, right. And that's where I, I really came off really cool from that weekend.
1: Now do you feel uh, do you have a similar feeling from uh the twenty nineteen show versus the twenty twenty one show?
0: That's a good that's a good question. And I tell you why, because I asked myself that like a thousand times. Mm. I said, How do we top twenty nineteen? You know, and I was stuck on that for two years because twenty nineteen was two years ago. We lost yeah. twenty twenty. It was heartbreaking to not be able to put on a show. It was hard to cancel Miami's baddest. That's hard for me. Uh not only financially, let's be real, because these shows do generate some money. Um, but emo- I mean I like hosting a show, you know, yeah. that's what I worked my my whole ass my whole ass off for. Uh, not my half ass, my whole ass. Like if That makes fucking sense. Well, there's importance. There's <laughs> importance both there. cheeks into this shit. I put both cheeks into this motherfucker. Are <laughs> oh, uh, your right <laughs> cheek dominant or <Are laughs> your left cheek <laughs> dominant? Which one did you give? The muscle atrophy is <laughs> gone now. I put both <laughs> cheeks into the throw down. Um, and so I, I asked myself this a lot, John. Yeah. And I said, how do we talk that? And I just kept like, you know, okay, so we'll do it at this brewery. And like, okay, but it's not indoors. And it, it might not have the same whatever. And then finally, something hit me that I often say, I'm like, okay, 2019 is gone now. Mm-hmm. you know. And it's not so much about raising the bar, although I think we did. It's about setting a new bar. And it just so happens to be a better bar or a higher bar. But 2019, that show's gone. It's already in the memories. It's good. What yeah. we wanted to do was to create a new show within its own things. It's a new building, a new charity, a new year, new lifters, new environment. I was like, just focus on creating this one not in comparison because then when you build a business on comparison people will always focus on that so if i would tell you we're gonna be better than tank we're gonna be better than this year we're gonna be better that's all people are fixated on yeah and then there's gonna be like oh yeah but we were here and then last time with i was like fuck that last time we're gonna create a whole new fucking show and we're only gonna get better from here in this aspect because this is a new place a different environment, you know, this day we created a bigger warm-up crew. So there was new things to create. Yeah. So I dumped it. And there's a lot of things I can compare, of course. But I think that even though they were both at a brewery, that both shows had a completely different vibe. They both had yeah. a completely different energy. I think what I do take from 2019 is that after what we did in 2019, people came to throw it on expecting an amazing show. Yeah. We can take that from anything. And that's yeah. that I take from there expectations were set and we just so happened to go with that feeling of expect the best get the best just expect different mm-hmm. you know because then you kind of live in the past you're like oh well i gotta do this and it's got to be indoors and there's got to be a pool table and i was like no man this is what we have now this is a layout of the land this is the new the platforms a new battlefield this is a new concept this is a new sponsors this is what we're going to do with it we're yeah. going to take the expectations for 2019 and then we're going to set the bar but that's it yeah um, and I think that most people that have been to both can openly say no. And I, I looked for honest feedback. No one really even brought it up. Yeah. No one brought up, oh, but in tank we did this. I think maybe parking was better. I can I can guarantee you that. But that's it. No yeah. one was like, yeah, but then last time it was just like, gosh, man, another great show. Yeah. Or another great time. And I'm like, that's the attitude I wanted to create. What is something from 2019 that you said,
1: I have to bring this to
0: 2021? that uh well there's a lot but i'm gonna tell you the ones that i really wanted the most a well people who um who were saying how grateful they were for for the plates loaders and spotters in the back that was also in 2019 um we just had a little bit less people doing that but because they were in the back room there was just like a separate feel to the back room and the front room um i wanted to perfect that um so you know again and i'll say this now Again, not individual names because there are some people that could not be there but were there for Friday and a lot of behind the scenes. But to my spotters and loaders in the front and my spotters and loaders in the back, you guys fucking rocked it. Yeah. And I will say that both aspects are very hard. The back room gets no camera time and they're the unsung heroes. Yeah. And that is equalized by the pressure and the demand of being in the front. Because you can't fuck up once up front. right? Not by a fucking kilo, because powerlifters are powerlifters. There's no ish in powerlifting, and I get it, because that's a sport derived on numbers. (laughs) You cannot miss a fucking chip. In the back, you're like, oh, what did you? Okay, yeah, you know, you can do kind of with the American plates.
1: 435?
0: Uh, How about 440? How about, yeah, we're at a a 2.5, so how about 440? In the back, you would be like, sure, in the front? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, again, shout out to both of these crews that worked (laughs) <laughs> from 7.30 to 4 o'clock Loading, putting things back You guys were fucking amazing They were at 90% battle locks We did have some people from Ironbound And we have from um, uh, Iron Night Gym And Gorilla and these guys And some coaches did But shout out to that fucking crew Man, yeah. you guys did amazing And for every single person Um, But I wanted to do that I wanted to uh, perfect it And yeah. so a lot of people like, wow thank you so much for that. They, uh, rich from rich Fika, the USPA chairman, he said the, the valet service. And I thought that was cool. It was like a plate valet service. Yeah. I said, truth be told, we did it in 2019, but it was just so, it was not enough. It wasn't well organized. It was kind of, you couldn't see them. Yeah. I thought that was great. In 2019 too, there was just such a good energy. And I tell you why, because of beer. <laughs> and I said, and this is the truth. If obviously we run a tight ship, you know, we, we, I had to take care of a couple of people. I'm like, you're too drunk. Get out. But for the most part, people are there to support yeah. and alcohol and food make people happy. Yeah. You know, it's still daytime and there's just something to be told when you can drink, eat and support. I mean, that's what, that's a party, you know, you're still respecting the sport. It's not like people are being rude and like puking everywhere or whatever. Um, And you have this great support. I wanted to magnify that. So we set up more tables. We wanted to have our beer in the back a little bit more and, these are things that we did, and I was like, "We need to do this again, and it created that stand up environment like of yeah. course, I kind of wanna set up some things differently next time, but everyone was standing, and yeah. like it was almost like you couldn't even get close to the to the platforms that is rare when you go yeah. to most meets, it's like after the squat, it is a fucking graveyard, and then yeah. it kind of gets a little bit more packed for the deadlift, and you know whatever. But I'm like, this is, uh, this I almost didn't want to, I was like, oh, I'm in the way. You know, most of the time I'm like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. And now I'm like, okay, this is great. People standing. I put chairs in the back. People were standing on, like, the chairs to get a view. It was just, yeah. I wanted to, almost like a stadium style, you know, where there was, like, so many people packed in and cheering. I was like, this is the best. Yeah, this is what we cool. live for, you know. This is the gladiator. And it's like, we want that arena feeling, man, to be like, you hit that deadlift. And people are like, yeah, I'm like, you can feel it. And that was something that tanked it tremendously, which I would love to I doubt was probably the greatest part of it. Um and I'm gonna continue to to fine tune it. Yeah, sure going
1: forward. It's definitely and and I think that you're you're right on the money with that. But I would also say that I've been to other powerlifting events that do have beer. Yeah. But it's not that. Like it is, but it's not. Right. Because it's like, oh, I'll get a Miller Light. Yeah. But yeah. like you like you the beer you drink makes you act right the way that it's you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's like
0: men are like mm. yeah and then you have battle axe yeah. brew you have bearded yeah. battle axe brew, brew. This makes you charity. Want to steal a chain yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna take that barbo. um and that man i wanted that like we had all the encompassing concept of you know this is this is something where and again <laughs> and i would say this throughout the show we host one of the best fucking shows Period. And I told the audience and I told people, if you fucking believe it, then say it. Because we is all of us. It's yeah. Florida. It's the South. It's South Florida powerlifting. It's us. You want a crowd. You want... It's not like, okay, the battle axe wins. If we all win, we get bigger sponsors. You get big, put on a bigger stage. Maybe we can get bigger money away. We can pay our fucking loaders and spotters more. We can... Have international lifters, we can have big name sponsors, yeah. Aside from Harley Davids, and shout out to those guys in church and uh, Romeo and Julieta who pay big tickets. And now, and, and um, again, i shout out to all my sponsors who who donated and want to be a part of this from private to public to uh, retail. But talk about it, yeah. To people who are blue in the face like, this only makes us win. Imagine having big name sponsors where I'm like, okay, best lifter gets a thousand bucks, yeah. You know this is money that is 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 good for the sport and it doesn't have to be about money I understand it's good for charity it's good for everybody if we talk about it and I I kept saying I'm like if you think we are the best then fucking say it because I am yeah because I am I see I see these competitions around the United States in a fucking their gym <laughs> yeah. Okay man and I, and I hate, I look I get it because you want to keep the money in house sure so would I You know how much money I could make if I didn't take it anywhere but fuck that Like that's not what Legacy is built on That's not what a good show Is built on right. We could have done The same thing anywhere now we took a chance We went outside and two, two, three, two years ago Now we're gonna say Instead of And this is the whole concept I don't have to humbly say Shit We As a community Don't have to humbly say Yeah no We host some of the best meets In the fucking nation Cause southern Florida Especially Florida Strength community Is fucking strong why do we have to keep bowing to these big shows that honestly suck? They suck. They're not, or some of them aren't even that good, right. but they have, you know, the Instagram cloud and you're like, oh, great show. I'm like, is it though? Yeah. Like, where's the goodness of it? Yeah, exactly. What? They, they're giving you free monsters. It's at a gym and you have Who's a backdrop a and I can see the parking lot in the back. Get, get stop. And I so I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack on this a lot, but all of you listening are a part of this. Yeah. It's not like I win by myself You can honestly say Yeah okay Michael good job But it was good job everyone Good yeah. job lifters What a great show Didn't it say what a great Michael Pala. Nobody said that Because I couldn't have done it by myself Yeah okay I'll pat myself on the back for some things But let's be real here Yeah From lifters to coaches To gyms To competitors To the family you brought in To the, 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 the live feed that Danny and Dennis did, Like Oh the live feed was, was Fucking crisp dog Wow. Where do you see that? On a national level show and it still sucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody made a good point because um, on the day I competed Sunday, it was uh, football and then it was (laughs) the live feed right next to it. And it looked like legit, like you were watching either HD football or HD powerlifting. Dude, we're
0: in Miami in November. It's 70 degrees out. Yeah. We host, we, we host some of the greatest things ever. Spread the word, man. Talk about it. So people are just like, who is this about? And I'm like, next year, bro, I'm throwing dick everywhere, bro. I'm like, listen, (laughs) I want all the fucking sponsorships, man. Fuck that. So uh, talking about,
1: you know, the meets and stuff like that, do you think that there is one takes more or less uh, when you prepare for hosting an event, say, for example, like the Throwdown versus Miami's Baddest? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the differences? What do you find is like, more challenging for one that's not as challenging as the other or vice versa
0: Uh, okay good um i'd like to say that well strongman miami's so for those of you listening we do host i would say one of the best strongman competitions in the south and i also host one of the best powerlifting competitions in the south just because of they just have this is what people tell me this is what i feel both of them, as a promoter and as a person that has lifted in both sports, and as a person that has coached in both sports, they each have their individual feel. Mm-hmm. The strongman, from judging to scoring to shirts, from ground to bottom, from bottom to see the top, is all hundred percent us. We do ask for help from other gyms. You know, I, you know, Alan from Iron Us helps us, and other coaches. And, of course, CrossFit Kendall. But primarily, that is entirely us. The judging has to be us. We have to do the score sheets, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I find great comfort because all of it is under my control. It's all my responsibility. And that means that I can micromanage that if things go bad or macromanage it to let it go well. Over the years now, it we have fine-tuned and Miami's is so well-oiled, it's insane. Yeah, So that satisfaction comes now if you want to look at the first two years com- like of miami's baddest compared to what we are now, our first two years of Throwdown, very stressful very difficult you know we had 26 lifters year one miami's baddest which was i had to get the lifters on my own i had to create the events the plates the l- i had to provide the implements with help and it's hard it was much harder so in that aspect i have a oh will always have a i primarily prefer strongman but b that's my baby like I created that. I didn't get help in that sense. In the, the, I started that from the bottom. Of course, I had guidance, and let's let's be real here. But that's my baby, man. The the, the plates, the movements, to everything, the shirt design. It's all me, and us. And so I always have a, a like an, a, like an attachment to it.
1: So from twenty six lifters, the first two years. What was the first year you had the cap lifters? Cause I know you've had Uh, the cap.
0: I capped it at 75. Holy shit! So I went from 26 and I made 75 in like four weeks. And I was like, shit, I should have capped it a hundred, but I wasn't prepared. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't want to create a show that where I made a bunch more money. Uh, but then I had a shitty show. Right. You know, I could have made another fucking, I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of dollars, not hundreds of thousands. Relax. Hundreds or thousands. Um, but at the cost of the show and yeah. working my people or just bad judging, you know. Sure. And then year 5 it, it was that was a year covid kind of got us to think a little bit and then 6 was this recent one, I think, yeah. Um so when I see these things, um I don't know, we've had five. Uh 5 was a covid year, we had to push back. So and now when you do something like throwdown that's powerlifting, I don't do, and this is some people, I don't do the powerlifting end of it. Like that's USPA. Yeah. So a lot of that is not under my control like your entry tick your entry fees and what flight what order your judging your kilos your you know all that stuff is not in my control at all that's rich when, thank goodness we have un- for those of you who've never been around to powerlifting meets trust me when i tell you we have an incredible team here i've seen some really shitty shows yeah where things are bad and the judges are like people from the audience and they're just some random fucking powerlifter or some Instagram person. Like these are, you know, judges that have been tested and are a part of the Federation. The computers are working. You have like four fucking huge screen TVs. Yeah. Incredible on that aspect. The fact that I can't control that sometimes is like, Ugh, because you have to trust yeah. this, you know, let's say 50, 50, 50% of the, of the show success is what judging it's the correct kilos. It's the plate form managers. It's the, it's the, it's the guy, people on the desk, the runners. This is the fucking backbone of the show. If that goes bad, it doesn't matter how many fucking beers I serve or right. how many cigars I give away. If if the judging and they keep getting your shit wrong, you know what they're gonna say? Cool beer, but your show sucked. So when you have to rely on somebody else, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Again, the relationship I have with Rich and his team and, and Dustin and all these guys from um from the Florida Powerlifting community has created just such a good bond so that is hard because i can't say hey this is us yes we are the hosts but big shout out to them for making this happen because those are the things you're not really seeing as a lifter but yeah or you don't really think about but you know a lot of these people come from tampa jacksonville port st Lucie, melbourne their hours to judge to coach two long days they drive right back up i mean yeah. scott and steve loaded their uh rich and scott loaded the 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 truck and left that day yeah five hour drive and go back to work on monday with a family you know these are things that goes unseen that i tell you guys often i'm like read between the lines when you go to these shows and yes thank you for thanking us and, and and everybody but the judging the people at the table these people are coming from hours away just and they're not really getting paid shit let them they get in a hotel room okay yeah you're still doing 10 hours of work and it's stressful because there's nothing more fucking stressful than a dramatic powerlifter. It's just fucking insane. Yeah. So think about these concepts, and I, I don't want to push that. So if you want to see the differences, yeah, you know, like the one takes a lot more trust and macro management and spreading and, and stuff like that, and one is completely ours. And so there are two, it's like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. I always yeah. use this consistently. I love both things. Two completely different stories, two completely different affiliations and feelings of nostalgia of course, I'm going to have a favorite because I love Strongman more and stuff like that, but mm. I love putting on a good show. That's so that more Lord is a, of the Rings. Yeah, I yeah. would say. Yeah, I would say.
1: So, yeah. Someone told me that uh, they liked Wizards with sticks, but that's a stupid concept. I've
0: been in this argument before, and I believe I hate we it staff so wizards are much stronger. Staff
1: wizards are better at everything. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oof. Give me top three favorite moments from the throwdown.
0: Oh, shit. Um Damn, I didn't... You don't know want... Damn, rapid fire. Okay, uh, number one is watching Rich and Scott compete again. I have I not 32. seen those guys compete since we were back in the Port St. Lucie days. Um, it was awesome. The Just the seeing that look in Rich's eyes that I haven't seen since. He hit a fucking six-something bench when I saw him. Like, that aspect of seeing those two, despite working and putting on that show, still mm-hmm. kind of giving it all. And I don't like to talk about them like that. Like, oh, hey, buddy. Like... Still fucking benching, almost hitting 500. And just seeing them be so inspired to to get on that platform again was... And that they chose Miami's to do that was yeah. just so awesome. For us that have been in the powerlifting community for over eight years, because I did see them eight, maybe nine years ago now, at Port St. Lucie lift. It was just so amazing to see them and that they chose the throwdown, which, again, traditionally, and we'll talk about that, that's the history of why we chose the throwdown. I don't know if we talked about it last time or not, but why the throwdown means so much to us. But just watching those guys like Matt, who's also in Gorilla, Rich, and them, and then seeing Pops and Molly, and just these OGs there, just, it's amazing, you know? Um, Yeah, very cool. Number two, again, um, I would say it would be a tie, because there's a third one that's very special to me. It's third only because I'm mentioning third, but definitely probably top of my list. But, Second was a union between the beer, between me and my cousin, and then charity working together. Like that kind of unison of, you know, having our beers there at the same time. And it's emotional for us because we grew up, you know, I don't want to say dirt poor, but we certainly didn't have right. a lot. And watching that beer of ours just happen to come out at the same time, and that both of them are for charity, and that the charity's right there, and Andrea Ivory, who runs women's breast health and initiative was there who came to thank me personally her husband her team and having that cohesion of creating a beer for us that is working with a great charity at the same time and just like crossing those lines together from just a fucking gym to giving back to the community and helping in any capacity whether it's a droplet or a tidal wave of that It felt so good because I can see the look in my guys' eyes and our eyes that we were something bigger. You know, we weren't just fucking goons. And that was very, very special to me. And her look and her appreciation to, and she kept just saying, what an amazing show. Your people are amazing. It was just so awesome to see that together to a creation of something from an idea from just two fucking kids, you know, and bringing it together and having both of us, you know, learning so much. To work with charity from my cousin and just being inspired together and just kind of pushing us to the next level, kind of thing, was happening simultaneously on yeah. his birthday. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know what I mean. It's you like know what's so story. great
1: about that too is okay beers. Yeah, beers. Same, but different. Yeah. <laughs> when you meet you guys, it's like
0: same. Yeah. But same but it's like that Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's actually that's actually hilarious. Yeah. Same but different. Like, and
1: funny because the if you if you missed a chance to have any of the beers. I believe there's still some available. Yes, at unbranded, you yes. should have both. Yes, uh, because those still, uh, they still have money donated on the back end of it. So, uh, but definitely have both. Yes, same but different.
0: Same but different, actually. Yeah, and again, shout out to unbranded for donating a dollar per beer, or five dollars per four pack to this one's toys for tots. I believe from the from the BV beer. I believe, or is it still the? I think we're gonna do that one. We're gonna push that money
1: to. Uh, give the kids the world.
0: Okay, give the kids the world. So again, this is with helping kids in in during the holidays, and then ours continues to go to raise a total fund to donate to Women's Breast and and Heart Initiative, um, which again, on Brandon did not have to do this. This is yeah. thousands of dollars they're given given away to charity, which is great. And I understand some of you guys are like, oh, but it's a tax write off. Trust that's not how tax write offs work. Yeah, they're not. It's not free money, bro. Trust me, I I do my taxes thoroughly with my accountant. And it's not like writing something off is free money. It's right. Not. Um, and lastly, uh, seeing my parents come in was probably the most, it's the most, um, it's the most emotional thing. Uh, you know, you kind of, when you get in this business, uh, especially gym ownership and coaching and stuff, it's, it's hard to really express to your parents the path that you're choosing in this aspect And for them sometimes to see the success or the overwhelming feeling of of what it feels like to to win, you know, a little bit and to do well. They don't really see the look on your client's eyes or the things that you see when you compete. Yeah, they don't. You know, my parents are in their 70s. They're not flying to Ireland or, you know, Georgia or Reno. They they don't see the gym life when somebody hits a PR. We have a mock meet and I can see you. They don't see that. They can hear me see. It. And, and it's always important to have your parents' pride. But to have them walk in with my brother, my sister, my nieces, my nephew, and see them, my family together, first of all, which is great. It's not like we, yeah. we argue or whatever, but to have them all together at once. But for something that is for me, by us, for right. us, you know, yeah. and. And seeing my mom get teary-eyed, son, like, oh, come on, God, oh, she that. called me the next day, choked up. In which, I, you know, I get a little choked up, of course, because yeah. you know we do so much bad shit in our lives, and we do such stupid decisions. But to still have my parents around, for them to see that success and to ha- to have them walk in that room with like, like pride, like, hey, yeah. you know, my son is this. You know, my son did that, and it was probably one of the greatest feelings in the world. Yeah, uh, and I'll be honest with you, and it, it it certainly eclipses. Um, but my like my mom was like, "Wow, Mijo, like this is big." I go, "I know." I told you it was gonna be. She's like, "Wow," and she's like, "You did all this?" I go, "Well, we did all this, you know." But I was kind of I wanted to be like, "Yeah, by myself." But I was like, <laughs> um, "We did this, and and, yeah. and look, and this is the charity, and look at our beer." And she's like, "Wow," and it was. It's almost like those are moments that you live your whole life for. And you certainly don't take it uh, for granted. You know, they're not going to be around forever. I've I've been very fortunate to have two really great parents, hardworking, extremely humble, and to have them there and be a part of it and see my sister and my nieces helping me and my brother and just having that, that, hey, man, look what I can do and look what we've done. And this is what these fucking years of 10 years of working on this and being on my own and it was a it was the best feeling in the world, man. I would not change that moment for nothing and uh just having them be a part of that at any con- you know at any capacity is is yeah it's yeah. life changing
1: well your mom has like this uh like every time I see her and again there's not a we don't have a big conversation, but she has like that um that mom aura, that, like, she's the a moment she she's looks a, you in the eyes, yeah. you feel like someone just put a blanket over you and, like, <laughs> yeah. you like feel so warm hey, and happy. like, yeah. so you're going
0: to be served a meal and, like, yeah. talk to me about how your date. Well, my mom's a matriarch, bro. Yeah. You know, I mean, my dad is uh, uh, just a fucking humbled, awesome man, but my mom's yeah. a matriarch. And my mom also, if she didn't like it, she'd be like, oh, what's this? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> she is very much me, and i like, this, okay, like, congrats, I guess. You know, and to see her genuinely... And to have her call me uh, the next day or so and be emotional about it was like, oh, man, you know, because my mom, she's emotional, but we are not emotional people until there's something to be emotional about. You know, it's not like I watch a Hallmark commercial and get emotional. Like she's just so she was so happy. And both of them were. It was just like uh, it was one of the the greatest fucking moments just to seeing that. I I think that will probably be seared into my brain the rest of my life. Yeah. And I'm happy that. I was able to do, it. yeah. Some, you know, sometimes I wish they see me compete, and I think that's good. But this feels better, sure, because it's not just me. It's not the selfishness of the athlete. It's the selflessness of the coach, lifter, gym owner, you know, leader, but also part of a community. Because like, I'm a, I'm a peg in the community. I'm like a, a gear of it. You know, not right. necessarily the whole entire thing. So,
1: yeah, and it's, I, I'm sure it's got to be pretty cool to like. The dream was open my own gym right to now it is i want to host xyz to create this so now it's just evolved into something so much bigger than
0: 900 square feet right and that's i think people sometimes don't conceptualize how small my gym is in the sense of space yeah
1: I, was, I still got that's my favorite one of my favorite battle Axe lines ever i'm the fucking king of 900 square <laughs> fucking feet dog. Mine. Yeah. It's,
0: uh, thank you. yeah man it's mine Yeah, we all got to be king of something. For sure. And I'm, you know, of course, I have my home and shit, but I'm like, that's mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, before we get into, like, more questions about the throwdown, let's, I don't want to lose track of it because you brought it up. So let's talk about the history of why the throwdown came to Miami. Because if I remember, it used to be the
0: Thanksgiving throwdown, right? Yes. So for some of you that got into the powerlifting scene a little bit later, or maybe not from Florida There was two huge meets back in the day. It was raw, uh, raw unity, which was the first one of the first real big meets to kind of clash against the geared lifters. Was for gear lifting was everything forever until maybe the Mm -hmm. last fifteen or so years where raw lifting, meaning non geared, meaning like wraps and sleeves, started kind of surfacing. Uh, So raw unity used to be held in Florida. It was held in. A lot of it was held in Port St. Lucie. Most of the time. I think sometimes they did it in Tampa. So they would host raw unity in the civic center. Uh, and this was before battle of the big. And then that at the same time later in the year, they did the Thanksgiving throwdown, which was the week before Thanksgiving. Mm. The first one I ever attended was in 2015, I believe. Um, 2013, 2014. I was RPS. No, 2014 was my first one. So seven years ago, because mm-hmm. I competed in it, um, that was the first one, my first USPA meet. Seven years ago, there was no that I I know there's always been beef within federations. I don't know shit. My first powerlifting meet was in RPF, and I saw green plates. I was like, that's cool. I like those colors. That's what I did. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I didn't give a shit. Um, and I did it by myself. Just I did it and I kind of learned the ways, asked a lot of questions. I was one of those guys asking everything about everyone, emailing everything about everyone. Then I got into USPA. My first coaching was USPA. It was one of the, His name was Mike. I believe it was Mike King, who owned um, CrossFit Playground in Fort Lauderdale. Um, some of these names might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this was... He had a USPA meet where I coached my first guy, Bobby. That was my first. That was USPA. Mm-hmm. So I said, fuck it. Let me just continue in this. And I went to do throwdown. And when I saw throwdown, which at the time was the second biggest show and this was just i think there was like a 100 lifters or 90 lifters in a day and it was massive i yeah. think it was a it was supposed to be a one or a two day thing but they would have an early day flight and then an afternoon flight so i remember coaching in the daytime and then lifting in the afternoon and having other lifters there we went home like at two in the morning because there was some issues with transferring of owners is a big big story but another reason why rich was just had such a good light with me um and that's something we can always talk over over a beer but that was the one you know i once raw unity fell down like throw down was the one that was my first real uspa big mean tvs yeah big back room i got to see rich and higa was there and i, I was like damn like this is and i was a new kid you know nobody didn't give a fuck who i was like I was helping load plates back then and I was just kind of felt like I was in the way and I kind of stood in my corner with my crew. We helped everybody like we've been doing for, you know, eight years or whatever. But I told myself, I'm like, man, I want to be a part of this. Like I want to do this. Um, one TV in the background, everything was pen and paper. TV always, that hasn't changed in powerlifting. TV still go down because people step on the cables. But yeah, Then Rich uh, later in the years said, once he took over, I think it was like three or four years later that they'd want to give it to the, the Throwdown became, because once he did Battle of the Bay, that became a very popular mm. show. Two, three-day meet. You couldn't touch that one. Um, and Throwdown was kind of like dwindling down. So he decided to move it to a city and give it to whatever gym was in that city. Long story short, I as soon as I found that out, I said, I want that. I know I can do that. I had never hosted a powerlifting meet. I had no idea what the fuck to do. I just knew I had Miamis, and I knew I could put on a good show, and I had a good crew. That's all I knew. Yeah. I don't know about the intricacies, the TV. I don't know even he did that. I was so, like, sideways on that. But I just told him, give me Throwdown. I want Throwdown. I've always wanted Throwdown. And I will put on the best show. And they gave it to American Barbell Club in 2018, and then we took it in 2019. We were the gym to host it in Miami. Mm. And it was everything to me. Because that was the one, you know, that was my first big USPA. It was when I first did my multi-client coaching. I guess I had like five guys that day and um, a lot of them which are still with me. Um, And it was was a lot. The throwdown was a lot to us in Florida powerlifting because it was in the holidays. It was like the last big meet of the year. Then you had Thanksgiving and Christmas. The energy was always high. You had that end of the year vibe. And people were itching to lift heavy because, you know, Christmas was coming and Thanksgiving. So you can just fucking wreck yourself because... Comps were irrelevant to like March next year. Right, Port, uh, the civic the civic center was a civic center. I mean, it was just had that classic, you know, powerlifting, you know, back gym, gymnasium, basketball uh, hoop is lifted up to the top. Don't drop the plates on the court because we will ruin the court. Mm. Um, and it had the, the the same soundtrack. I remember the same soundtrack, and it meant everything to have that show to me because it was like taking one of the most or oldest or biggest powerlifting meets in Florida. and like, this is ours now. Yeah. And don't fuck this up. You know, cause I knew what throwdown meant to a lot of people. And well, I certainly what it meant to me. And that was the history of where throwdown really came from. And it was traditionally called the Thanksgiving throwdown, which every once in a while you'll hear people say, that's kind of like how we call Joe Robbie stadium, Joe Robbie stadium, because yeah. you're used to calling it the Thanksgiving throwdown for so many years. And then we change it to the Miami throwdown or the battle action presents the Miami throwdown because, I'm like, it's ours now. This yeah. is a South Florida thing. And this is it needs a stamp. Do. It's a stamp. This is what we're going to do with it now. And yeah. um, that's it. That was kind of like everything to us. And that's why you'll see a lot when Rich and and Scott competed. It was like, he's like the last time I competed was at the throwdown like seven years ago. Damn. That's so and cool. For some of us that have been in the game for fucking 10 plus years, it's like, it's nostalgia, man. You yeah. know, Pops was still lifting then. Uh, Gorilla Bench was I, like a very small like he had like really small gym people were still at the uh, civic center there lifting there was a gym matt and his crew there was a gym in the civic center in a little corner where he had their monolith. I week like when usb had monoliths yeah Where i my, did my first qsp in a monolith wow now it's not there anymore but again you don't have to back in my day i can throw a football over these mountains and i'm not asking you necessarily to go crazy on it but understand that why certain meets mean so much to certain people and why to us to take that and take it to South Florida and keep it in Florida and not letting that show die out was magnanimous for us. Yeah. And it's why I, like, I, I'll i push that show forever. And if it ever changes hands, I'm going to be like, look, motherfucker, like you got big shoes to fill because when I took Phil down, I was like, I have big shoes to fill because this was the show for so many of us, especially when we're all left. Wow. Yeah. I love a good history lesson. Yeah, man. That
1: was beautiful. I probably should have picked this up earlier, huh? <laughs> so, um, let's talk about the uh, charity that you chose. Um, obviously, there's a ton you can choose from, and uh, the, similar with like with the villains, and in, in the path that the villains chose was to get away from the big name charities. Right. So, you chose uh, the Women's Breast and Heart Initiative. What made you select that
0: charity? Um, so we worked with Andrea and this particular charity because one of our lifters, Khaled, who's a pathologist, in 2019, we brought out our forward shirts. You remember those? We had brought the four colored ones. And it was during breast cancer month. And I wanted to be part of a charity that was, I felt like I wasn't just a drop in the bucket. I'm just going to get an email with a thank you. Yeah. Um, I always like to, people to feel a little bit more connected with who they're helping. And he mentioned them and to speak with Andrea. And I found out that this charity, what they do primarily, um, especially pre-COVID, was go to underprivileged homes, knock on the doors, sit with the family of women, you know, especially over the age of forty in these impoverished areas or underprivileged areas, provide free education, and at times they would bring buses to provide free medical mammograms. And different testing, all within, of course, the legal limits of their insurance. And even if uninsured, they would help provide information for them to get. Because a lot of the people afflicted or that pass away with heart health and breast um, cancer and health is are people in underprivileged areas that have no information. They just right. don't know or the stigma. Like don't go to the doctor, don't trust the doctor until you have stage four cancer and it's you're done yeah, at that point. Late. And then the medical bills are insane. So you know their their claim to fame, and I don't mean that negatively, but their claim is true. They've knocked over on on, knocked over knocked on one hundred and forty thousand doors. That'd be cool. Yeah, get them (laughs) them out of there. Goddamn test, you know. (laughs) Um, and and Andrea, her name is Andrea Ivory, which is an awesome name. She actually came to us personally after we donated five dollars of every pink forward shirt. That's why we wore it on Sunday. Yeah. To her charity, we raised. It was like six hundred bucks, five hundred and something dollars for that charity yeah and again i understand she probably deals with you know six figure or multi-thousand dollar contracts she came personally to my gym on a saturday to present us a certificate of thank you (sighs) to the battle axe gym she shook her hand she spoke of the entire to the entire gym we were all pretty emotional about i was unexpected i mean i thought that was not gonna happen yeah i said wow like thank you for that you don't see that you know she's a doctor it's not like she's you know, eating shit. You know, right. she's on the board. You know, she's a doctor herself. She's very successful, very educated, um, extremely articulate woman, ambitious, and it was awesome to see that. So when we did this year, heading into October and November, that are both well known for, you know, cancer awareness and both men and women, I said, why not sick it to here? You know, somewhere home. And they're they're also from South Florida. They were hit pretty hard uh with um uh, COVID because they weren't allowed to go door to door people are kind of freaked out so instead they try to raise a voucher for a license plate to generate awareness for their their cause if they get a florida license plate it brings you know bigger sponsorship bigger awareness and it's also a way to stay involved so i said let's do it you know let's work on this together let's work with you again and it just so happened to be amazing because it was working with them again it was it was doing with somebody you can really feel for and like I said, all our shows work with charity, you know, from Vet Paul to Operation Homefront to Nicholas Children to Fighting Against All Monsters to to uh, this particular one, Women's uh, Breast and Health and uh, Breast and Heart. And I was like, fuck, man, this let's continue this trend because yeah. you'll again, <laughs> it's not for nothing. A lot of these meets, you know, they fall short on that. And I said a long time ago, it's like we're paying penance, you so. We have a platform now. Let's try to do a little good. You know, even if you think it's only 500 bucks or a thousand, it's a thousand dollars. I mean, that's money to me that I'd rather give forward, you know, and and set the pace so that the next show does it. And it's like, it's paying it forward. People, if you want to mimic something, okay, go sell your own beer, but do a charity, man. Go out of your comfort zone. I agree with that. And working with her was great.
1: Yeah, that was a a really cool, uh, the license plate idea is pretty sick. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Yeah, I like that too.
1: Um, So uh, coming back to uh, the throwdown, um, I was just kind of taking notes and it's like one of the things that I thought about was it seems like um, with your events, you tend to wear many hats. And um, we kind of talked about the concept of more weight. And I just wanted to ask you, how has the more weight mentality benefited your events?
0: Hmm. Uh, when I opened my gym Many many moons ago A lot of it was At the time when Elliot Host wasn't So fucking nuts He had said something to me that really impacted me He said When somebody enters your gym It should speak of the owner It should say something a little bit about you And I pride myself that when you walk into the Battle Axe gym It says a little bit about The owner, but also the crew that works there. From the dust, to the rust, to the implements, to the way it's run, the organization of things. I also believe that when you host a show, that when you walk into a show, it should say a little bit of something about the crew and the promoter or the owner. And when I think of concepts like more weight, it is to go out of your comfort zone. I became comfortable, like I said, with hosting a strongman competition. It is extremely wet oiled. We get there at 5, by 5.45, we're doing nothing. It used to be hours and days, you know. So I went out of my comfort zone and said, let's host a powerlifting competition. I have no idea about that aspect. Yeah. You know, and I had to trust other people and ask questions. I didn't know what we had to provide. And that should be indicative of the more weight concept. You add, obviously, within reason, you know, you don't want to kill yourself, but, you add weight to your sled so that it continues you f- to force you to push forward. And I believe that attitude and that mentality always will transcend into other aspects. And that was my biggest, I don't want to, uh, my my biggest claim, not claim to fame, but my biggest claim of these things. Is I wasn't born with a tremendous amount of of connections or anything like that. Those were earned over time. After 10 years in the community, this is what you're seeing. After eating the shit sandwiches and putting up with negative and positive and you know, being like the new kid and the new group and the outsiders and the shit eaters from, hey, it's the fucking battle axe or from, hey, I'm not even being mentioned. I'm hearing the big gyms and I'm like, I want to be called. Yeah, I want my guys to win. To the battle action presents. And I tell people, it's like, it's not that I sit on that throne with this thing. It's like, this is something that you can do too. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that mentality. I don't, you know, I don't want to paint myself in any other way. Of course, sometimes when I get a chip on my shoulder, I'm like, you know, whatever. But think about it. You know, this more weight concept is to elevate yourself first and put yourself in a position of internal pressure, Mm -hmm. of pushing outward, so that others feed on that. And that mentality has transcended into show promotion, coaching, uh, business, retail. On my personal life, it—I have to trick myself sometimes. You know, I have to kind of say, "Michael, yes, you fucking can." Yeah. You know, it does. Don't get me wrong. You know, for I can't tell you how many conversations I had with myself going into, and I treat this show like I'm going into competition. I'm going into a fight. You know, it's like you're gonna get your fucking ass beat. Everything is gonna go wrong. Somebody's gonna this and that. And I have these internal conversations and I'm like, no, man, I can. Yes, yes, I can. This is going to be a fucking good show. Mm-hmm. And it's me first and then everyone's positivity second. And that's where the more weight concept was. And I wanted to push that on my on my team and be like, guys, we are the best. Yeah. Take that mentality. Yes, you fucking can. Don't sit there like I sit there constantly and be like, no, we're going to fuck it up. Or we're not going to fuck up shit. And that, I feel like when you left, you know, throw down your, People left with an attitude of, yes, we can. Yes, you can lift. Or, yes, we can uh, provide a community or a culture. Yes, we are somebody. Or, yes, we can do this. Do it, then. I'm not like, no, motherfucker, you can't do this. I'm like, do it. The show needs more hosts. I mean, Miami Throwdown is my motherfucker. But (laughs) but that's my line, bro. But uh, you understand that. I think we all left with a little bit of, bro, yes, we can. Yeah. You know, everybody in my gym, from scumbag, criminal, gang member, shooter, to fucking lawyer and doctor, police, whatever, was at that show working like everybody else. Everybody is a grunt. Yep. You know, I had to clean shit in the toilet three fucking times. Yeah. Literally. Because those bathrooms, you motherfuckers, you got to shit, you got to shit. And I'm like, this smells like shit. I'm not too good enough for that. Just get the fucking scrubs and get after it, bro.
1: Yeah, there was uh a... There's like a nice little transition that happened where you were up front on the microphone. Then you come back, you address all the athletes and then you can see like your body's so worn out, but like you're stopping and picking stuff up off the ground. And like you watch the like the shitty like I've been standing on my feet all day mechanics. of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you see the bracing. But it's it's pretty cool to watch uh, how infectious that is, because then you watch the athletes check themselves and go, oh, shit. And they start gathering up their stuff and your people start doing the same. So it's pretty cool to watch that.
0: Yeah. And that's something we talked about too. And, and Push your success onto people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, this balancing act, right? Because man, with so many things going on, promoter, coach, but also the stressor of preparing yourself for a competition. Yeah. So uh, how have you been able to, balance all these things and I'm not, I'm not even sure that balance is the right term. Right, as, I, have a, I have a consistent battle against that word. Yeah. I wanna say it's like more of like a priority shift. Right. So like what have been the challenges in doing this? Because I think that this question comes from me, but for the people who might be aspiring, uh take like a uh Margate Barbell. Right. right. So that Ryan's a guy who looks at the things that you uh do and um doesn't try to copy it but he makes his own version of yeah, it yeah
0: which i love him by the way i love mark shout out to you guys taylor yeah. and yeah ryan taylor's just like oh yeah it, uh, taylor's just such a fucking good dude he even wore the margate fuck shirts yeah which i love because he called me Yeah, he's like mike just letting you know we're making these shirts and i was like wow man thank you i mean you didn't have to because i knew you wouldn't do it like to spite me or anything but thank you for that and yes you can i'd love to buy one and yeah. You don't find too many men like that anymore. I was like, "Damn, bro." And, you know, and I know what they're trying to do. It's like we're all kind of setting a line and a pace for each other. Yeah, right. I personally love to be the rabbit always. And if in, if somehow in some ways what we're doing and what I'm doing is making people get better or more ambitious or I don't care out of spite or out of love, awesome. Yeah. Because I love being that motherfucker. Yeah, you, you know?
1: could definitely see that uh there was he looked inspired after two days of he should a ton of athletes you can see in his eyes he's like this yes is, this, this is, is why we do what we do yeah
0: and so man that's good and shout out to those guys again too but to answer your question there's there, there's three things going on there's a few things or a few hats i wore going into this uh this thing where many of you will probably find yourself here somewhere obviously a businessman
1: yeah um
0: and I'll put that in the sense of retail, gym, ma- making money on the show itself, and finding sponsorships and enough to pay this, the chairs, the tables where the TV goes, the spacing. Finding out, answering questions, how to get uh, the ch- the where to put the chairs, make sure unbranded, when the beer comes out, getting the labeling, the right label, the label design, the t shirt, fixing the fire t shirt demand, we'll making sure the teeth are gold on the right rhino, that the hoodies are ready on time, the fuck fuel shirts are being ready for this, and we're preparing the tactical things aside from traveling and hosting a seminar two days before nationals a month before, and I'm saying this repetitively and telling you this not because I think I'm busy, because yes, you fucking can too because there's a lot of things happening in four weeks going into this and years. Right. Mm-hmm. And on that aspect of the business side, there is the athlete getting ready for Florida's strongest man who has to wake up at three 45 in the morning to train his events. And that's slowly killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, by nine, by 10, 11 o'clock, I mean, I'm up for seven, almost seven and a half hours after moving 700 pounds where I'm tired and that's chipping away. Then there's the coach, you know, very much the coach. I had, uh, nine athletes and again shout out to all of them and i'm gonna i'm gonna call you guys out by name because i think that you're probably listening for this one part then you're gonna turn off the podcast <laughs> and i know i will fuck you thanks for your one hour retention information <laughs> stupid you fall right for it um but to lisa ivy carol juliana alejandro bash Vinny. John Banks. Wow. Wow. We know that guy. And Lewis, uh, congratulations to all of you guys. Each one of you getting a medal, uh, all sorts of PRs. Carol, who hadn't lifted, been able to lift for two years. Yeah, that's a cool story. Two fucking years. She came to me, barely ever walked. Ivy as well, who runs Girls Who powerlift. That's very stressful. Mm-hmm. And she was banged up, nerve damage as well. Uh, she came in there now in the 300 uh, deadlift club. Lisa, who was just a fucking badass, placing first in the open and tying a national master's record. She would have broke it, but she can't do math. But she hit the kilo. <laughs> Juliana, who came to me and hit a state record on the bench, of 2035, I think, at 44.
1: Yeah, just solid.
0: Absolute. Just straight close grip. No, and She's like, I don't competitor. even like to arch. Yeah, she's third national. She's like, I don't want to arch. I'm like, do what you do best. Uh, and yeah, she went third in master's nationals. Alejo's first meet, 8 for 9, lifting in front of his baby girl, which I thought was great. Bash, he almost gave me 16 heart attacks that day of, and I will <laughs> throw his phone into the gutter. But again, fucking great, all-platform PRs. Yeah. Vinny going in there hurt. I know he won't tell you, but he hurt his quad seven days. He strained his quad during one of his, uh, his openers we were just hitting his last squat. Came in there and still took first place and was able to qualify for nationals and worlds on mm. that hurt quad. John? who did amazing eight for nine breaking all prs and then lewis again who came down post hip injury he had a really bad motorcycle accident in new york and yeah. he was able to go seven for nine He know these numbers and i want to be very specific i i i mention these lifters because i think it's important for their stories to be heard and told but that i also understand when you guys post something relating to me or the gym or what it feels like to be coached—that it's extremely emotional. I'm just not really good at responding to that kind of uh, feeling. Like you can give me attention, and I'll drink it up. You give me love, and I'm, I am—I might puke. Yeah. I don't—you know—it's very hard for me, and I get that. That's a personal issue I'm working on. But all these lifters, and I'm talking to them all the time. And and then of course, you have the other personal thing—you know, brother, boyfriend, friend, cousin, you know, uncle. These aspects don't fall asleep. You don't clock out. And these are very real scenarios for me. Um, provider, you know, you still got to make money, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know. So I heard a long time ago uh, from Lucas of Rebel Mindfulness, and he had said that there's no such thing, and this is true, I guess, in the scientific sense. We can't really multitask. What your body does and your brain does neuro- neurologically is that it moves from task to task very quickly and that we can, you know, do two things at once is really doing one thing or the other back and forth so fast that we can't recognize it. But if you study the neurology, it's really going back and forth at, you know, crazy speed, millisecond Mm -hmm. speed. So you think you're doing multitasking, but you're not. Because, you know, here's an example, you know, texting and driving. (laughs) As much as we all do it, you're not really doing one or the other very well. Either you're fully focused on the text, even partly you can kind of do it so, but you're rapidly really switching right yeah um and it's that's something that very few human beings can multitask that concept is like guess you're a freak genetically so when i hear the term balance of which i have openly admitted to uh, my nutrition lady mandy who we we talk every week about going forward into stuff like that and balance and the concept of psychology of eating aside from the macros that i'm getting now i believe that consistently the balance is too really be present in the task at hand that needs the most attention sometimes minute to minute hour to hour day to day Mm. there would be some times where i was so unbelievably drowned in this event that nothing could take precedence even if it was for five minutes whether it was calling about the chairs or fixing the shirt issues or talking about the money or the trophies or sponsorships for those five to 10 to 20 minutes that became a massive priority meaning everything would fall to the wayside yeah training you know meals were prepared everything around the concept at the time was prepared as best as possible it's like having meals prepped i did these mental meal preparations i knew that mondays are busy for me so sunday i was preparing myself my mental meals for the day i had my physical food Parts of of moments in time in the day where I knew that this was going to take priority. So this is probably not a good idea to set up a conversation with my mom or take priority of an athlete that day between the hours of 9 and 11. Don't look at my emails between 2 and 3. Maybe Mm -hmm. take them, and I did, and I do. I've been taking nights off from the gym where I need three or four hours of not only decompression but changing the focus to preparing for the next day's lift. Uh, food ready, my diet, rest, and all these pockets of time of, I guess you can call them multitasking, but it's like multiprocessing and multiple present moments. And I hate the term present moments because it's been so abused, but if I'm on the phone for five minutes with a sponsor, that is the only thing that I would focus on. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't texting somebody or wasn't looking at my Instagram while speaking to them. And these things started to fall into place because I had to make a place for them. So why did I start waking up early to train? And I said it often, it's because at 5 a.m. all my problems are asleep. And it's the only time. And there's an old thing that Lyoto Machida used to say is like, and I always loved it and I've always quoted, I wake up early because the first enemy I face is myself. And it's true. Everything about 3.45 in the morning when you're doing, especially fighting or strongman or something that hurts physically is, go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Bro, you don't need to wake up. You can train at 9.00. But I can't because from 9 to 10 is athlete time. From 10 to 12 is trying to put out fires and get in the show. 12 to 2, maybe eat, rest, take out the dogs, back to the gym, PT on the knee, 2 to 3, 3 to 4, warm up and rehab again. Lift the gym, 4 to 8, get home, eat, Eight eight 830, 8.30 to 9.30, fixing more fires, 9.30 to 10 o'clock, winding down and finally spending time with my family in bed at 9.30 while I'm winding down to be up at 3.45 again. That was my day for weeks and weeks and weeks, 16, 18-hour days. And people are like, it's not, they're like, how do you do it? I'm like, it's not why. it's not how, it's why I'm doing it. It's not how I'm doing it, it's why I'm doing it. Because I think this is going to be awesome. Because I really want to compete. I really want to put on a good show. I want my lifters to do well. I want my team to get notoriety. The whys are so significant that they make me prioritize. It's not... There's as much discipline in what I'm telling you as much as there is motivation. And I promise you, as much as you want to pretend you're Jocko willing, 90% of the time when I would get up at four, 4 in the morning, it was motivation that got me out of bed. It was the will to be like, I really want this comp. Mm-hmm. I re- as to host it and to compete in it, I really want to get better. I want my knee to get better. I want to stop being in so much pain. I want to press this block. I would love to just move this yoke. It was so big. And it was so much. And you know, and having my crew there in the morning, almost like I'd say, John, I'm meeting you there at five. And knowing that I said that would get me out of bed. Of yeah. course, the discipline factor is huge. But real hustlers create motivation. You have to create motivation. You have to go outside of yourself. You have to go out of vulnerability and open your fucking mouth and create motivation. And people are scared of that because it takes courage to fail, to say, I need you there at 5 a.m. Because now you know that if you don't show up at 5 a.m., you're a bitch. Because I said it, I didn't do it, I'm a pussy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't want to fail. I fucking fail all the time, whether I open my mouth or not. So what the fuck? And this is what I did and how I do it and how I know a lot of successful people who I've spoken to do it. Yes, there's plenty of times in a day and there's such thing as moderation. You're right. It's the balance of this processing factor if you want to use that terminology or jumping from thing to thing. And like I've said in the past, sometimes there is no balance. One side will take precedence for hours, days, weeks. This show took a little bit of higher precedence sometimes and then being an athlete and being a coach. And I, and I spoke to this and I'll, I'll say this verbally. I had to ask for help. And my help was... Sometimes, guys, I am gonna have to go home early. I just cannot be here, and I will go home or skip the night entirely from coaching. The gym kind of runs itself, yeah. But people adhere themselves to this. Well, oh, I have to be, I have to be there. I go, but if you are not there mentally, you are not there. And if after a certain amount of years that you've, your environment has earned itself something, you know, if you are a, a husband or a wife, you are you are there. You are that person, right? it's not going to kill you to take an hour or two to yourself mm. to get your mind right. As opposed to being there and your mind's not there. Cause you're just going to get into a fight because you're short on, you're short on patience. You're probably on your phone. You're distracted. Just be like, I need a couple hours to, you know, focus on something. And a lot of times just focusing on yourself, whether it's finding something that makes you laugh or preparing for the next day. To me, getting my meals ready and getting my clothes for training. Like I've written in articles in the past, getting my armor ready. That, 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 that process, that tradition, you know, that, 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 that movement is so important to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm prepping for that. That's how I started my days. And then I would be done with my training. I'm like 6 AM, John, my phone is blowing up. I'm like, my day's about to start. And yeah. I've been up since three 30. I'm like, I'm not saying this because I think I'm like, particularly special is that I was that motivated. And I did it by creating an internal pressure. I put the pressure on myself. And I'm like, now's the time to shine. But it's not forever. After the 18th of December, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drink and get high all the fucking time until fucking, you know Amen, it. brother. It's coming. <laughs> but until then, you know, yeah. like miles before I sleep. Miles to go, miles before, to go. I sleep. I sleep. before I sleep. Yep. And I don't forget those lines. I don't forget that, that I have that burning forest fire in the back of my fucking head. That is my peace. And I'm like, I'm in it. And that's how we we balanced out into that. When a client would text me. Yeah. If I saw the message and I wasn't ready to take it, I would leave it. Okay, maybe a few hours. Not days. I don't do that. But I would have to be in the right space because I can feel that I was going to be too short, not present, grumpy, or something. I'm like, no, this is not what they're paying me for. This mm-hmm. is not the role that I'm here. I would get it and I would do it. I've gotten a little bit better by focusing on that. You know Motivators Internal and externally The pressure But also just literally saying Hey <laughs> I need this You know Sunday night To play Battlefield Because I am going to Fucking blow up real quick It's a couple hours Yeah But that's all part of it Yeah and that was a big A big And after that Bro the moment That last Deadlift dropped On Sunday It was like Hero. A like you could feel it in the you room. Feel it, yeah. Man. For me, especially, I would walk up Monday. I am like, oh, this is what normal life is. <laughs> Fuck yeah! And it was a satisfaction, you know.
1: You know what's so weird about getting up that early is you really find out how fucking weird <laughs> people are that are also up. But if they know you are up, yeah, they guarantee you are getting a message. Yeah, you are getting a message at five a.m. when they wouldn't normally talk to you until after eight or nine. Yeah, like wow, bro. Like I, I am doing this. Stop it. You don't have this. Um.
0: It is time for live. Yeah, I'm getting on the live real quick. Hell Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so in in, in essence, and, and it'll be consistently right, okay, multitasking, I guess, but it's just shifting priorities. Yeah. And then being there for the priority. And again, people constantly use that being present. I'm like, yeah, man, being, being present. But being go.
1: present, right. Sure. I, uh, there's so many... Uh, I think sometimes I'm weird because I'm not really into like self help stuff per se. Like, right? I'm just like, you know, yeah, th- that stuff's cool, but
0: I like finding my way
1: in right. helping myself.
0: And it well, here is something you said just earlier, and you said it about you know Taylor and Margie. It's like, it's not that you're copying anything; is that you're making it your own, and that's right. something I take from Bruce Lee when I did martial arts. Jeet Kune Do. Jeet Do is like, you know, find what works for you and make it your own. So what? how do you have to do that? By studying. By yeah. sitting with your enemies. By getting your ass beat. Literally, I've gotten that a lot of times. Getting hit. Missing. Failing. Mm. Finding all the things that work for you and then making it your own. You know, he would talk a lot about Win Chun. There's a million, million ways to block with the poxao, With the poxao, Like a thousand. But one is going to work for you and then master that. And then, you know, move on. You mm-hmm. always say that 10,000 times, I believe.
1: Yeah, man, way ahead of his time. Yeah, bro. But you I ever see that, uh, what is it? Um, was it Enter the Game of Death where he does the sick lat spread?
0: I think it's Game of Death. Not You're thinking Enter the Dragon and Game and, of Death.
1: Yeah, Game of Death, yeah. yeah. But I think he was yeah. like the sick-ass lat spread. Crap. What a dick. Yeah, he was a piece of crap.
0: He was yeah. also cocky as fuck. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure I would have fought him if I met him in the... <laughs> Well, I would have gotten beat up. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just say that first fought. kick in the mouth. I would have oh, just sh- hugged him and be like, size matters, you piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Super tired.
1: Yeah. Like the, definitely the, the biggest presence for like a guy who was probably 150 pounds. Yeah, man. But, walked
0: around as a Titan. Well, I mean, it's an attitude, but, um, yeah. So, so now we're live and, um, we're just going to, well, you we basically get a sneak peek of what's going on and talking about, uh, podcast and and, yeah and the throwdown and everything we did so thank you guys again for tuning in live to hearing us at least 15 20 minutes but not the whole thing because then you won't listen to our podcast
1: idiots (laughs) idiots so let's talk real quick since we're getting some people who are tuning in probably some people from other gyms um let's ask this what do you think is the best advice you can give to a gym owner or someone who's looking to become a promoter to help set them up for success on a show of their own? Uh,
0: I would I would say if you're going to do your own show or promote your own show or get involved is put in your time. And I would say this about whether you're a gym owner, an online coach, uh, physical, you know, brick and mortar from promoter to athlete, get involved in the community a lot more, ask questions. If you're not respected in the community or if you're not known in the community, you're not going to get the clout and the help that you want and deserve. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. I think I will be a big advocate when it comes to hosting a show that you certainly should have or have people around you that have major skin in the game and want to work with you. Mm. You can't just like, oh, I'm just going to do a great show. When you don't have a good crew around you, whether it's your crew, the crew you're working with, like I said, Rich's crew for powerlifting has just been tremendous. Be around. Go to shows. Ask questions. You know, be that guy that's like, how do you do this? Load a fucking plate. Be a judge. Be a spotter and loader. You know, when I I say this all the fucking time in Strongman, you have so many motherfuckers. And this is specifically I'm going to fucking pick on the Strongman community that love to compete. And then they're like, I want to host my own show. I go, you haven't done shit. Because being an athlete in Strongman is easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go to go compete. Yep. I go, what about sitting in the hot sun for 13, 14 hours and loading fucking plates or being there at five in the morning to help unload a 400-pound stone from a U-Haul truck? Why don't you move the mats? Be a judge. Be a runner. Show up early. What do I need? How can I help? Promote the show. Put your Put your skin in the game. Put that backbone into it. On all these aspects, so you know what it is to suck fucking ass, and people they ask me like, "Mike, you know, wow, how did you think of this?" I go, "You know why I think of this? Because it's happened to me, and I fucking hated it." You know, like why do I have such a large warm up area in strongman shows? Because I've been to shows where I don't get to warm up at all. I picked a six hundred pound deadlift with a zero warm up. I almost tore both pecs. That was it. It was in the middle of summer in the hot sun. The bar was crazy hot. Six hundred was my opener. That's what I got. Six hundred. I had a zero warm up. We had to warm up at the beginning on the first event, and we never did anything ever again. Fuck, that's insane. And I get it, bro. But that's the truth. So I said I'll never do this. When we were loading plates in the back, you know why I know that shit? Because I know what it feels like to be a coach, to be there by yourself, and have to load plates, unload plates. Coach, get four or five people, get their warmups, get the mind right of your fucking lifter, which is probably a nutcase in powerlifting, mm-hmm. and still do that and have people just kind of stare at you. I was like, I'll never have that. And I, the reason and how you're going to do this is because you have been in the shit. You've either coached at a lot of shows or competed or helped, and that's my my biggest fucking suggestion to you. My biggest push is get involved from cleaning the fucking toilets to Getting your own beer and getting your fucking Harley Davidson, all that shit. That high. Hey, congratulations! Yeah, you got to be from the bottom. That way, the show is run perfectly. And I fucking can't say that enough, both in strongman and and powerlifting. Yeah, everybody wants to fucking yeah, yeah. And then when it comes down to the shitty part of it, they're like, no. Nah. I'm like, well, man, what do you want? You know, if you've never cleaned the toilet for a show, I mean, trust me, it sucks. Yeah, but it's you want to do that because you know what it feels like to be an athlete. And have to take a shit, and there's shit on your toilet seat, and you you're gonna lift soon. You're like, God, this show sucks. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't they get porta potties or whatever? You know, I'm like, no, man, I don't like that. Spray the fucking room until it smells like you can eat butter off the floor, dog. Yeah. That's you got to be involved. You got to ask questions. You got to get after it. Be experienced, man. Eat your shit sandwich. Sit with the ogs. Yeah. You know, just because they don't lift as much, or you don't think they lift as much, or they're not on Instagram with three hundred thousand followers trust me they've put in the time before there was instagram where there was all pen and paper and they can tell you a thing or two about success because most of the people running the shows are businessmen and business women yeah which is uh, you know not necessarily absent of instagram or social media but it's they certainly have an insight on how to be successful in running a business
1: the i guess the love for the sport would be a little bit more pure not that it's not uh, there's one is more genuine than the other but right. it started from like Nobody's going to see this. I'm doing this because I love it. And, now-
0: and rugby didn't become a professional sports to maybe the early 90s or mid 90s. Right. You used to play for your national team out of heart. You didn't get paid. You had a room and a ticket. Yeah. You didn't get paid to go break your body. You did it because you loved your country and you loved the sport. That's why rugby still carries that. You carry your kit with pride because you, you're that's the generation that taught the next generation how to play. Right. So that's why when I run shows and shit, it's like, this is not about the money. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't make money on the show. You'll never make as much money as you think you deserve. That's the truth. Nor the amount of hours. Right. But it's not about the fucking money. It's because you love the sport, the community. You want people to do well. That's 100% behind it. If you want want money, be your own fucking sponsor and do it at your own gym. Oof. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get you want to keep your own money, but- Okay, you know, go outside of the comfort zone, dude. Yeah,
1: right. I remember uh, Vinny's face because Vinny was helping me get ready in the back. And uh, I walk up to him, I'm like, hey, man, what do you need? Can I get you something? Yeah. He's like, yeah. Are you
0: fucking kidding me? Yeah, man. Like, go sit down. And it's, it's again, it's not like I'm telling people, hey, trust me, I get it. Like when you first start, to run it in your own gym or make it easier. Look, we've been doing it at CrossFit Kendo with Miami's Baddest because getting a venue in Miami for Strongman is really hard because nobody wants to deal with us. Yeah. But if you got the money and the clout, take a chance. Yeah. Just, just, just take a fucking chance. Yeah. But don't make it easy on yourself. People can recognize when promoters and show people that run shows cut corners to make it easy and make more money. It's the vibe. Everyone's like, you're just doing this because you're making fat bank. Yeah. And it, you don't want that. I, I can tell you right now, my, my other suggest don't do that. Don't. And if you're doing it for the money, don't let anybody find out dog. Don't let anybody feel that from you. It's fucking terrible. Everyone knows it. people are really smart. Consumers are very smart. Yeah. Right. So
1: <clears throat> let's, uh, let's shift focus here a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Florida's.
0: <laughs> Damn. Okay. This is yeah. on me. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, first and foremost, how's the prep been going? Um, you know, with the video series, which has been very insightful. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, you know, I think those come out really good. And, again, Gabby um, yeah, just gets better and better every episode. It's like,
0: ooh. Yeah, he's it, building his craft really well, man. You
1: can see, uh, that not only visually, uh, just the the maturity that's happening as it goes on, which is super cool. So, uh, so let's talk about how the prep has been going
0: for you. So, um, I spoke about this yesterday when I went to Iron House And. The mental side of the prep has been indicative or at least reflecting the physical side, which is to say that I'm always consistently running at a high mental capacity is not true, especially the last four to six weeks, especially the last two months where a lot of my personal time or athletic time has been split with coaching and running a business and traveling and personal things, because competing in the holidays is very difficult Mm -hmm. because there's just a lot of things to attend and it's hard to kind of say, no, I'm not going here. No, I'm not going there. Everyone has something to get ready for. And it's like, no, no, no. And it's, I understand that there's a a romantic feeling of saying no and being that grinder in the morning and you're all by yourself, but there's also ways on you when, you know, you can't hang out during holidays or drink or eat. And it doesn't matter whether it's for personal reasons or just to go, you know, to a a family party because you know, it's really difficult to be there. You got to make weight. Um and honestly, and I've said it quite openly in all my aspects, and I've said it in writing, is that the recovery from this knee surgery, especially the lateral release aspect of that, has been the has been a lot longer than I expected. Um, I thought maybe three, maybe six months, I would be back firing at full capacity, and that has been the furthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. I have just started to recently feel that left leg working, and it's been nine months. Yeah, um, and most guys that I've spoken to that have had surgery and come back into a static sport like powerlifting let alone a super dynamic and heavy sport like strongman i've said it takes about a year and a half to two where you start to really kind of feel in that then mm-hmm. that aspect weighs heavy on my mind because i'm 37 years old and my body's much older so you you kind of set these time limits where like oh man like i don't have a lot of time left yeah so you want to run into this rushing mentality you want to hurry up and just fucking stick whatever needle in your ass cheek that's gonna you get into this desperation of i don't have a lot of time left right but i remember saying that at 33 and i remember saying that at 24 as a fighter i don't have a lot of time i'm getting old which is crazy to say at 24 but then people say well that's old for fighting and then you get to 28 and they're like well you're kind of old for this and there's always that there's always somebody's gonna tell you you're too old for something look at at a look at nfl running backs at 28 they're like you're kind of old Mm -hmm. i'm like what but you know it's these kind of stigmas that are weighed upon you look at soccer players oh he's already up in his age 31 (laughs) even though his body's probably 40 something yeah uh, so i told myself man i've always have things to say i've always said that even in my prime at 26 when i was 185 pounds and i can run a sprint out the fucking crack of your ass nineteen thousand times and i was i would say i don't have a lot of time left in time you know, once I become this and that, and then I got into rugby, I'm like, I don't have a lot of time for rugby. You know, I, went, I came into it too late. Most rugby players start at 16. And then I started strong, man. I'm like, okay. And then by my early 30s, I'm like, yeah, but I'm already 32. Like, I'm old. These guys are all 21. Yeah. And I said to myself, shit. I've always said this my whole life. You know, when you're 16, you think you're too almost too old for a lot of things, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I realized that success has no age barrier, dude. This is very cognizant of the fact that i do understand the difference that my body is will eventually be absolutely limited yeah but who i am as a person the warrior code the the mentality the athleticism it has no age limit i have been me i have been competitive and grumpy and sassy and hate losing since i was born (laughs) in 37 years i haven't lost that at all in any capacity Right. I still want to be the best at what I do. I I still want to be good at everything. I fucking hate losing. I hate quitting. I'm super uh, driven. I always want to win. I want everyone to win. Like I have this like, it's a genetic concept of me. And I always say that warrior code is absent of morality. I don't do it. I don't win to be a good person. I win because I want to fucking dominate. Mm-hmm. I want victory. Like whether it's over others or myself. And I realize that has no age group. I realize there's no age bracket for that. Like, when, what am I going to, so now I become 40, and I'm like, okay, I just want to lose. No, at 40, I'm be like, I want to beat everybody. At 48, I want to crush you. I don't know. It's just the way it's going to be. We can be playing Uno if I make it to my 50s and be like, you're fucked. Yeah, I've been playing Uno 15 years <laughs> since Nam, you know, <laughs> over dead bodies, you know. but So in that aspect, I've had to calm my mindset a lot now. down and be patient. You know, I'll be honest with you and I'll be honest with with people on on Instagram is a few weeks ago I was, and I still was like, if I'm not ready for this show, meaning if I am going, the, the plan is to be there, but I'm not going to walk into a show to get a participation award. I am not that guy. I am not the, oh, you're an inspiration. Fuck you. I came here to win or to do really fucking well. Yeah. And if I don't have that attitude because I'm walking on one leg, basically my training has been 60% on my right leg and 40% on my left. The shift has been very, very real. This is just science and I've put it out there. I'm not making excuses or whatever. It's just, I chose to compete, but I'm not going to fucking not do it. If it's going to de- de- derail mm-hmm. me from next year and the next two, three years of strong, man. Mm-hmm. And we've had to go through some mental fucking hurdles, man. It's been fucking hard. There's some days I wake up and I get out of bed and I'm like, I can't even walk to my toilet seat right now without leaning on the wall, dog. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, You know, and I, that's, again, why I have this tattoo because I have to hold my fucking head up and said, you decided to do this. You put it out there. You put the internal pressure by making the vlogs. You wrote this. You said this. Believe. Achieve this, motherfucker. mm mm-hmm. And it's still hard. And these events, is really hard. And, you know, we just had a training session yesterday where that block kicked me the fucking dick. And I said to myself, I haven't had this much fun in years, John. Wow. Years, bro. Years where, and I posted it. And I said, this feeling of giving everything to an implement, implement has escaped me for years because of the, sometimes you're just a little hesitant, Because you know what that surgery feels like. Because you know the sound of a tendon ripping off your bone. Mm -hmm. Because you know the feeling of your legs going numb because your disc and nerves are compressed and it could be for life. And they haunt you like a fucking voice in the darkness going, you're going to fail. And you're like, fuck. Mm. And there was this commitment, almost childlike uh, tenacity to get that fucking block of rungs. But peers that have been lifting with me for nine years. And I smiled when I dropped it. I go, man, that was good. Because in Strongman, you have to rise to the implement. You don't get to choose that number. That number chose you. Yeah. You decided to face that fucking demon. You decided to fight that colossus. You decided to step on that fucking battlefield. You decided to walk into that valley. Now you have to rise or get the fuck out. And that's my mentality. So I'm either going to rise to this competition and do the best that I fucking humanly can and claim victory, or get the fuck out it's because of attitude, not mm-hmm. because of performance. And I question that, of course. Like everyone else, I know. Uh, you know, according to the Instagram community, some of us always have this. Oh, everything's great, but uh, you know, I've never been open like that. Like some days are not great. Yeah. Uh, you know, some days might look at that video in the last vlog. My knee's the size of a fucking melon, and we took six hundred pounds on a slanted road. So. You know, and then like I did, the seven hundred pound yoke. Nine months ago I could barely walk down the stairs and so you know, like am I I'm setting these barriers now. I'm like, Am I too old? I'm like, relax, guy. Yeah. You just did something that, you know, a percent of the world can do and you did it after surgery. Yeah. And this is not to rub it in anyone's faces. This is just the way my mind has to work to get me out of bed sometimes. And so the the prep has been really hard, John. I'll be honest with you. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. The The implements are hard. The hev- weights are heavy. This is stay. And I don't, I'm not complaining. This is, should be heavy. It should, you should go in there with a comfortable fear. We all know that that block is probably for most of us a zero. Yeah, We all know it in our hearts, but only a few are stepping up. We all know it, that most people are like, I'm not doing that. And some of us are like, I don't know if I can do that, but it's game. It's us now. We're yeah. walking into hell. Let's go, bro. That's the mentality of the strongman. You, we don't get to choose. Can we make that block 200 and I'll take less points? Because <laughs> I'll do that shit right fucking <laughs> now. I'll be like, look, motherfucker. Can I make that block 150? I'll take half a point. Yeah, it's better than a zero, you know? Like, Because I'm i fucking, I'm going to win any wins. You know what I mean? Can we make that yoke 700, but I'll go 100 feet? <laughs> we don't get that luxury. And it's, yeah. it's not for anything. It's just... Most of this stuff is going to be almost max effort. And, you know, I don't want to use the post-surgery shit. It's a period. Yeah. So it's been tremendously hard. And I think anyone who's been prepping for this show could agree. It's For most of us, prepping for a big show is hard. Especially in strongman or anything. Powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, football, whatever. Yeah. Prepping for any kind of championship will pull you into parts of your life where you're going to question why you did this in the fucking first place. And you should sit there and marinate. Because you're supposed to be speaking to that side a little bit more than that guy when, you know, you put on your favorite Metallica and you hit the number and you think you got a big ass dick and everything's going great. Those moments in my life personally are fleeting. Mm -hmm. They last as long as a car drive to my gym. I sit with the other, I personally sit with the other one that's going like, I don't think you fucking can. I'm like, let's talk about this motherfucker. Yeah. Why? You know, let's get involved. And. The prep has been tough, but it's been tremendously satisfying overcoming immense hurt mental hurdles, um, an incredible adherence to patients, working with Zach Rogers, Mandy, my nutritionist, reaching out to close friends about strategies, implements, you know, talking to all sorts of people that I can get my hands on, having my crew wake up at that time yeah. and feeling like an athlete, if not even for an hour a day. You know, to some people, you know, feeling like an athlete might be 80% of your life. You know, you training and you're just training for me to train, and not get asked to coach or asked to fix something or get it. It's hard. Yeah. And for those of us who are coach athletes in the same gym, to have those couple hours where you're just free to be an animal, it is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And it's a good feeling to be caged a little bit and be like, you know, yesterday it felt like like that. And it was just an, a, a, the reason I realized why I, I love this sport. You know, it just const- a few days a week, you know, it really remind me of that shit. So, <laughs> you're obviously doing Florida's.
1: You have several athletes <laughs> also getting yeah, ready yeah. for Florida's. And several of those athletes are in your weight class. Right. How What's it like to prepare your own athletes to compete against you?
0: Mm. <laughs> So so there's two sides to this. Mm -hmm. The coach, uh, I'm basically giving all my information to have others beat me. And, of course, the athlete in you is going to be like, don't tell him that. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. Any coach that says that is a liar. If you're competing against your lifter, you want to crush them. Yeah. But the coach in you is going to give them all the available tools so that they can fight you on their best day. If you're a, if you're like me, who wants to compete against the opponent at their best so you have more bragging rights, that's me. I don't know how other people do it. Personally, and this is something yesterday when we were training with Austin, Esteban's in 200, Esteban's in 231. I know that there's movements that he's better at. And I know that there's certain things that he's just going to do better. Mm-hmm. And that I like to feel, of course, that I've helped him. But of course, him as the athlete is the one that's put in the work. So the athlete in me is going to say, I'm going to make this as impossibly difficult as possible. I'm going to pick and pry and eviscerate every weakness you have. Because my days are coming to an end, but yours are just beginning. Which means that ultimately, I want you to be so strong. Bec- and that's exactly where my motivations are. The athlete in itself wants to win, but I know that by winning is only going to make them better. If I face them with a "oh, let them win," or you know, first of all, that's insulting because yeah. that's me insulting their ability. B, they're not going to get better at all. And as a coach, of course, I mean, this is ultimately my calling. The athleticism is is selfish. My calling is to be a coach. That was what I was born to do, to lead. I am just a wild animal that has to kind of be caged in that aspect of the athlete. Right. So it's not difficult in the sense of the choice. When it first happened, you have mixed feelings because you question. I go, man, did I just think that I want to beat them? Like, why would I want to beat them? Or did I just think that maybe I don't want to tell them that? Like, the thing is that that's natural. You know when a little kid Bumps into your leg You're like You stupid You want to punch that kid around? That's your initial thought That's okay You know it's our ability To have a rational mind And be like It's just a kid Go away Right And it's that concept The athlete in me I, I told it to Austin I've told it to anyone That competes against me was, On that day I want to bury you But don't think It's without love it's, there's, There is a, a tremendous Amount of respect And love and that's why I'm going to give you my best because I would never disrespect you by either taking a foot off the pedal or go so far above and beyond to try and hurt you. Right. And that's the truth. And that's why during this process, because, of course, the kind of the beauty of the simplicity of strongman is you don't really do a lot of coaching the day of. Right. The coaching's been done. We're not allowed to get that close. The cues, you're amongst four lanes. It's very hard to hear cues. Yeah, you can right. kind of hear timing. There's some strategy-based but I think when you share that that field of strongman battle with somebody, and you're sharing that moment together, as an athlete, I think it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. To say to somebody, "Goes tomorrow, we stand together." I think that that does last forever. Yeah, you know. Yes, I've had your back, and I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this. This is not from arrogance. But I go, "But tomorrow, you stand with me," and that to me is everything to me, because. I've watched you come up to challenge me. Fuck. What better gift? As a coach, I'm seeing you have learned and overcome and everything I've ever taught you and that you've learned on your own to be put to the test. As an athlete, I'm facing one of my greatest opponents.
1: Mm.
0: What a! and I used to be in Muay Thai where I was punching my friends in the face. Trust me, this is a lot easier. When you're cracking your he- your friend in the head or trying to break his leg to an extent, it's difficult. right? But after that, it's like, I'm facing somebody who knows my weaknesses, my greatnesses, my greatness or my great aspects or my strengths. They know my vulnerability. They know what I've come to put out there. What a better feeling than to be challenged this way? And there's no greater aspect on that. That's why I help. I try to help out as many people because I want you to be at your fucking best. Because I think victory over you at your best is the best fucking feeling in the world. Of course, that's just me talking shit.
1: Of course. So, uh, have you surprised yourself at all with this prep? Ugh. Is there anything that happened where you were like, "Oh, I, I, w- I didn't think I was. I didn't think I was going to be
0: able to do that." Um. Huh. Uh, yeah, a few times, mm. and I wouldn't say it was so much about numbers because honestly, the, when you come back from injury, you're just kind of hitting numbers you're used to, you're right? Um, eight fifty for fifty feet would be a PR, and so certain a block that block would be a lifetime PR and stuff like that. But what you really, I think especially after a certain amount of years in the sport and you can it's indicative of anything powerlifting running there's going to come a time where the prs run out you either played all your cards out you did too many drugs or you're getting older or you just spend that long in the sport mm-hmm. it all comes down to victories victories on the on on the competitive day and victories in the process you will you will really talk to a lot of especially powerlifters you're going to look at at one day they're going to stop getting PRs. Right. But they have to do what they have to do to win the day. Most elite athletes will tell you that. Most elite athletes are winning meets and competitions with zero PRs. They're winning because they chose the right strategy to hit the right numbers and they won. If you're still a competitive athlete in that process. You have to marry yourself to the idea that the process and the victories of mentality on your day-to-day, whether it's motivation or your development and adherence to discipline, are the real victories. Mm-hmm. Because when competition runs out, because whether it's personal, injury, you, you moved away or you're done with that sport, you're going to have this void that a lot of people go through. Because you married yourself to PRs and trophies. I promise you, most of the people winning gold medals probably pr zero. Yeah. I can tell you that Usain Bolt probably hit more world record PRs on the track field a track and a field in Jamaica than on the Olympic field. Yeah. But those matter because they won the gold. And they run out. And I can tell you that I haven't really PR'd in the gym and I guess, you know, I have some here and there in years. Yeah. But enough in the process to know that I still have some competitive years in my in my life left. And I tell that to all my lifters. I would be, be very careful with marrying yourself to always seeing PR as like a PR total or a, especially in strongman where sometimes you're so much stronger in the gym, but remember that the, the what the day calls for might be sub-PR. Yep. But you got to pick the strategy and the numbers and the speed and the distance to win the day. But in this process, I have had to overcome a lot of doubt and a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Almost self-loathing and regret, like man, I regret that I re- that I should have even done this surgery, which was haunted me since. Should I even have done this? Mm-hmm. Look how much muscle I lost, the atrophy, the the tightness, my back. I had back issues all summer. I just people think that because my knees fucked that my back suddenly went away. No, it's very <laughs> present. Yeah. You know, I still have massive spine issues. It's just I got to stay strong. Yeah, and a lot of the things that I have surprised myself with, and to surprise myself is rough because my brain works in a way that i like to think of all i call it the quantum physics of thought i like to think of all possibilities so i don't surprise myself with anything so i prepare this is why i talk eulogies in the bathroom so when somebody dies i'm like i knew you were gonna die like in some (laughs) weird fucking way i'm ready for the eulogy i'm ready for the sadness yeah Uh, i have surprised myself both on the negativity that i've given myself sometimes and i have surprised myself on the realistic positivity that i've approached it you know I never thought that I'd be questioning surgery and whether or not I should compete at all. And I have a lot, you know, when I was barely being able to press a 200 pound axle because my leg was shaking so bad and I was in so much, it, I must understand that there's certain pain that you can work through and there's certain pain where your leg just shuts down or your body shuts down so you're like, shit, I can't overcome this or I'm going to tear an ACL or whatever. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd get to that point where I'm like, I don't know if I should compete. And the worst thing I said to myself, and it's true, and sometimes I I don't think I've earned it yet. Maybe I'm rushing. Maybe I'm I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. These are all real. And that surprised me. And then I also would surprise myself back in the capacity of just give me a couple, I would talk to myself, just give me a couple days, man. Like as a coach. I'm like, Mike, just give me a week. If in a week we're not here, I'm out. And I would say, that's that's a good idea. That's what I would tell a lifter. And you keep earning the week. Keep earning the day, son. Wow. I woke up this morning, banged up. (laughs) But I earned my conditioning this morning. I did my sled drag. I did my bike. I earned my fucking podcast. I got my coffee. I have to earn the day now. I'm at that point in my life where I think a lot of us are, we're just earning the day. And that's been a... That's been a lot harder Than I make it sound Some days And some days It's With an <laughs> Undeniable uh, You know Tenaciousness And just being like like Really into it And you can feel it And there's some days Where I walk into that gym And I, I just want to disappear I don't want anyone to see me Like yeah. I feel so Like banged up I'm like Just leave me alone Like when an animal Goes out to die <laughs> I'm like Just let me die today yeah. But I don't have that luxury On purpose because if I tell my crew I'm there at five, we're not alone. So that's that's been my ins and outs, and it's been my my battle. Um, and thank you everybody for the live feed. I kind of went a little bit further than I thought, but uh, we'll talk soon. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, seriously, can't believe I'm here for fucking two hours already, man.
1: It goes fast, <laughs> too fast. So, um, as we're winding down here, getting towards the end here, um, <laughs> you know. With all of these big things going on, we kind of just swept under the rug. Tenth? (laughs) X-giving? Is it
0: 10th? 10th, man. And so... 10th. And our 10-year anniversary is in May, but we obviously had my first X-giving, which I took... uh, from Friendsgiving, which is a terminology everyone uses. I'm like, I'm not going to use Friendsgiving. I'm going to use It's not you even know. a good show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I stand by that. I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, ten of them. And I brought that up. We had a big uh, speech at the beginning. We, I mean me. And I said to them, and this is something that, you know, I'll say it. Briefly, because I think the people that really need to hear it were there. But again, there's some people, especially like guys like you, that are far, that couldn't make it, that well, are still. I gave up a bunch of shit for the throwdown. Right, in life. it I was, was like, like eh. no, that Thanksgiving, dog. You know what? You got a good point. <laughs> you know, and I'm the asshole. Like, come Thanksgiving morning, like nothing else exists. You know, <laughs> that I think need to hear it. And I was gonna send the speech itself. I think Vinny filmed it too. My close friends. Oh man, that would've been great. Um, what stopped you? I just haven't gotten it yet because it. it's like a four minutes. I have to get on the WhatsApp. They're so um, good. Yeah, and I got to get on the big drive or whatever. So, I said ten years ago when we first had the X giving, and I talk about this often. You know, and people see me with the gold teeth and the Jordans, and it's not like I'm I'm, I preach money and the the success of the gym and the beer. And you see, you know, the last couple years and things are looking pretty good. Yeah, and I then I often talk about that ten years ago, nine years ago. I mean, tuna for dinner was very real. Ramen noodle and really cheap ground beef Like that ground beef where you're still biting into the bone Sometimes you're like where the fuck You're like oh you know that cheap ass shit That turns brown quickly That was dinner Because I didn't have money (laughs) I didn't have an ease of income You know I don't come Or we don't come from wealthy family Where I can just be like i going through a hard time, mom, you know, or dad, can you help me with this? Or can you pay the rent, you know? And my I dad's don't. like, you got compensation? <laughs> fuck. Like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you're asking me for money? <laughs> and again, I'm not, this is me never shitting on my family at all capacity, just reality for a lot of us, especially here in Miami. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about not having these things and having the success or, having the respect of walking into a show and be like you're battle axe gym it's more like who are you and why does your shirt say a curse word that like, you can't do that you can't do this and um, and all these concepts of it and i told my staff and the staff and my lifters and everybody go the, i look back at these things you know and it's not so much not having the ability to go out for a nice steak dinner that has taken me eight years to develop you know maybe some of you guys you, you know I, great congratulations you have careers and job choices that that's that's easy for you for some of us that become entrepreneurs uh, it's harder it takes more time Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not all of us but most of us and you know to get the ribeye or the tomahawk or to buy the goat teeth or to train in jordans or to go to a vacation these things that are happening now originally and that i didn't have before pales in comparison to not having any of you and that was truth because no amount of steak dinners and notoriety will ever fulfill the gap and the the passion and the purpose that knowing some of the people from the battle action have given me on a personal level. And then extended family. Mm-hmm. And the beauty that that has brought to me personally, because... Like many of you, I am a tormented soul, man. And uh, I don't take success easily. I don't accept love easily. I love praise and attention, but that is just selfishness. Um, and to be a part of other people's lives at this capacity has saved my life more than any amount of money or material possessions ever will. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that being successfully monetarily wise is bad and that I'm ashamed of it. And I'm not saying I'm fucking rich. I'm just saying that I'm earning money and doing what I love to do is great. It's better than being poor. I can fucking tell you that much. Yeah. But that I look back and that was the biggest uh, I did not have that stuck with me. And I thought back of all the ex-givings when, we had one tray of food and a couple of cookies. And now we had two fried turkeys and we had 40 people and liftoff and seeing the connections that this 900 square foot gym has brought together, not only here, but around the world and around the state. And man, and Thanksgiving is my favorite because people were all coming, coming down at the end of the year and holidays. And I used to hate the fucking holidays. And I said it too in the speech. It's like when I was younger. I would see people adhere themselves to holidays and things like that and be like, you pussy. Yep. Like, look at you getting teary eyed or being all lubby dubby and this materialistic, capitalistic bullshit. And I said as and I noticed that as I've gotten older and when you get older, it's certain things seem more emotional to you. It's not so much because things matter the most, it's because you've lost those things that have mattered the most. So when you find one or people or things that Remind you of what you lost, you adhere to it like a fucking storm. You hold on to it and rage on to it and completely engulf it because that means everything to you because you have lived a life long enough not having. And when you have the have nots mentality, you become relentless on your pursuit to hold on to what matters most. And I promise you, those things that matter most are not things you can touch. There are things you feel in your bones. You feel it in your spirit. There's the energy what people like to use the vibe or whatever the fuck you want to call it. You can feel it permeate. Mm-hmm. It is this fucking thing you can drink and taste and you can feel it from smell to feelings to memories, nostalgia, all those things reminisce and it comes from things like this, from events like this. You will talk about this event and what it made you feel, and what it felt like to lift in front of your family. Your family, because 10 years ago, you would have literally said, what a pussy you are. Think you're going to lift in front of your kid? Yeah. And look at you now. Look at us now. If you would have told me 10 years ago, that was going to make your eyes water talking about them. like That guy sounds like a fucking bitch. I'll beat him up. I would I'll, I'll literally kick my own ass back then. No problem. Maybe. If it was more than a minute, I'd die. But... You think back at these things and you let it sit. And I use 10 years as just a, um, it could be a year for some of us. So sometimes mm-hmm. a year feels like 10, but 10 years. And you know, when we, the gym itself turns 10, I tell people I care more about acts giving than any other party that we give because the gym anniversary, as much as I love it, it, it feels more about me yeah, and this individual thing, the birthdays and stuff like that. But when you think Thanksgiving, giving, it's people coming together, to eat and feast and tell, like, war stories and and life experiences and you're sitting next to somebody that has earned your trust through sacrifice and training and eating shit together. You know, you're not coming to, to a party to praise one person or the gym. You're coming together to praise each other and what you've built. And that's how I see it, okay. you know, and I think that's how a lot of us have seen or will see Thanksgiving for what it is not for what it was you know, 400 years ago and what the fuck and brutalities that led to. We've come to evolve that Thanksgiving is a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And then Thanksgiving is that. And then coming off now, I mean, Thanksgiving five years ago, we had nothing on that weekend. Now we're coming off one of the best shows in the nation that we hosted as a team and as a family all in South Florida. And faces will come and go. Sure, People will come in and come out. And nobody forgets what that gym or what experiences in certain areas, whatever, especially the positivity because what that provided for them. And that's why that's so meaningful to me is when you think back in time, you know, you don't have to live in the past, but you should certainly read it every once in a while. I mean, books are written words of the past. They are the words of something and some ones that have lived before you in some capacity. It's okay to sit down and read your past every once in a while, And, you know, go to the table of contents, skip the pages and go, that was a good time in my life with a certain amount of people that I'll never forget as I keep writing. Any writer will tell you that they go back and reread. Mm -hmm. Why not? And days like that and Thanksgiving and, and, and the events like today and you're asking me about 2019 and all these, I always go back and reread. But it's only to write new chapters. And it's, it's it's essential for me. And I do this personally. And it's day to day sometimes. I can tell you about yesterday and what it yet meant yesterday meant to me. And that it was more meaningful than Nationals 2020. Wow. Two hours of training. Put something in my heart that said, you, you still got it, kid. You just got to do it differently. And no matter how banged up I got by that fucking block, John, and how impossible it was for me i felt that it was possible mm-hmm. that it's it's coming it's there's a fire in you still yet you know you were you were of that primitive mind even if for seconds feel like decades of freedom because my mind was blank and it was just full of purpose like tenacity and like this urge to complete the task absent of anything injury life pressure Position, nothing. I was just a fucking wild animal. I was like oh, you kind of breathe that in, right? And so seconds cool. felt like years. And I promise you, those few moments under that block reminded me why I started this fucking sport in the fucking first place. To fill the void of fighting. And it was it filling a void or was it was continuing my fucking purpose? And I tell that to myself every fucking day. And I wake up just like every one of you, and maybe like some of you, and things hurt. And life hurts. My choices hurt. I do have regrets. I do have a lot of mistakes. And I have never painted myself a good person. Just somebody who is in danger of becoming one. And maybe a lot of you can relate, and that's fine. But I'm not, and we're not posting this to be relatable. We're posting this because words, whether spoken and written, were meant to be reread. This is the Battle Axe podcast saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.